Hey guys, just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to Sidebar Forever. If you like the show, please subscribe to us at sidebarforever.com as well as share episodes of the podcast on your social media. That way, new listeners can find us as well. Of all the wars fought in American history, the Vietnam War is the most controversial and the one that's still fraught with questions to this day. An underestimation of the enemy, fighting in unfamiliar terrain, muddy politics, and the eruption of national protest made it the longest fought war in U.S. history. But Hollywood movies produced about the Vietnam War, despite their gritty, real-life subject matter have become favorites amongst movie fans. Films like The Deer Hunter, Apocalypse Now, Platoon, Full Metal Jacket, Born on the 4th of July, and even Sylvester Stallone and First Blood are all celebrated for their unflinching depictions of what it was like to fight in Vietnam and also for how they addressed the toll the war took on the men who came home from that awful conflict. I'm Adrian Johnson, and I'm joined by Dwight and Swain on this episode as we tackle one of my favorite movie subgenres, Vietnam War movies. Come in the morning. Smells like victory. All right, so we are continuing our uh, two-parter uh, that we began on the uh, previous episode, uh, talking about the 35th anniversary of Platoon, 
And mm-hmm. on this episode, we're going to go into the wider, the wider expanse of the genre of Vietnam War films. And, mm-hmm. you know, certainly almost as the conflict was going on, you know, as early as uh, 1968, you know, there were being films made about Vietnam, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and references to it. And I kind of wanted to start off the conversation with (laughs) the odious John Wayne and his infamous Vietnam movie from 1968, The Green Green Berets. Yeah. And at full admission, okay, I don't know about you guys, but (laughs) I hate to say it, but I grew up on this movie on Channel 17 <laughs> TBS. It was perpetually the Sunday morning movie. You know what I'm sure. saying? Always, TNT. always on TBS. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, TBS, right. And, oh, and the thing is, I liked, I liked it because one, I was young and two, it was dealing with the military and war and Vietnam. So I was like, oh man, this is great. But as a full adult and with a bit more knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. when I watch it now, it's laughable. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, right. what? What? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I guess I want to start there. And as we move forward, just kind of talk about the evolution of it. Because what's funny is, is that you read accounts of like even veterans at the time before they were mm-hmm. being shipped out actually to Vietnam, even though they had been in the military at that time. They were laughing at it going to see the movie before they shipped out and said, that's nothing like what we do. That's nothing like our training. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And then coming back from the war and laughing at it, and it's like, uh, hell no, it definitely is not what we're going through over there. You know, mm-hmm. ha- had you guys ever seen the Green Berets? <laughs> I, I may have I seen it in passing and okay. kept going over it because I'm just not, I'm not the biggest John Wayne fan in the world even then before I knew what kind of racist bastard he was. Yeah. So I didn't, it, it didn't get to me. I felt his, I always felt he was like, he always felt, his, people, what people thought were, were, were his charming points, that is his, the way I speak, uh, uh, uh. I thought he was, I thought he was stilted. I thought it'd be stilted and, and, and pretentious. And, that, and that's the worst thing it could be for me when it comes to character acting. Like, don't be, don't be, don't, like, don't, don't, don't show, don't show me a character, be that character, you know, so. Mm-hmm. What well, about you, I, I've seen it before, years and years ago. Didn't make an impression mm. on me. Yeah. Kind of what D is pointing to is, is John Wayne is definitely an old school actor, who's, mm-hmm. you know, where it's all about, you know, being being big and, um, right. you know, from more of the before method really became a thing. He was just never going to be the character. He's always going to be John Wayne playing the right. character. <laughs> And exactly. and on top of that, to Adrian's point about the feel of the movie and in any kind of you know semblance of accuracy or you know feeling authentic, the the filmmakers were probably playing Green Berets as if it was just like a World War One movie or World War Two movie, as yeah. opposed to a complicated clusterfuck of a quagmire, which is what you know the <laughs> Vietnam War was, <laughs> you know. And so, you know what I'm saying? And and so, actually, uh, Adrian, I was going to ask you, without jumping too far ahead, um, sure. another th- this, Green Berets was 1968, 67? 68, yeah. 68. Mm. So, I think it's uh, in the late 70s. It might even have been a TV movie. 
uh, the movie uh, Heroes with uh, Henry Winkler and uh, uh, Sally Field and Harrison Ford. Oh, well, I'm, mm. I'm, not, I'm not familiar, man. Go, go on. Okay. So Winkler plays a Vietnam veteran who comes home, and it, it kind of addresses more of what we see done with Vietnam movies, where it's the aftermath of it, where he's, you know, he's disillusioned, he feels dissociated from, you know, from society, and he tries to reunite mm-hmm. with uh, the people in his, uh, you know, that he fought with, you know, in his platoon. Kind of the way that, that Rambo's character does in Rambo. You know, he's, he's trying to mm-hmm. seek him out and trying to make those connections because he can't connect with the world. Mm-hmm. But anyway, mm-hmm. that's... Right. Considered the first one that actually addresses it in the in the sense of the aftermath. I've never seen it, but I just heard about it, and I have seen uh, clips of it. it. It was Harrison Ford before Star Wars. Yeah. Even though yeah. it came out in '77, they obviously shot it in '75 or '76, whatever it was, mm-hmm. uh, before it was released. But anyway, go ahead and finish. I didn't mean to. No, 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 no. You're fine. You're fine. And I mean that's that's a good segue talking about. As we're moving into the 70s, you know, after the Green Berets and whatnot, you know, the war continues. Like, 68 is the the big year that the Tet Offensive happens, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Which basically mm-hmm. changes the whole climate of the war. You know, after mm-hmm. that big North Vietnamese push and the Viet Cong, basically America is like, no, we, we need to get out. No, we're not going to win this war. It's over. No, mm-hmm. no, no. And so eventually we do. Uh, we start removing troops by 73, and then Saigon Falls in 75. And just shortly thereafter, you start having movies come out about Vietnam, as if mm-hmm. the nation itself is trying to start to come to grips with it. You know, mm-hmm. so in 78 alone, you have like three or four movies come out. You got uh, Go Tell the Spartans with Burt Lancaster. You got mm-hmm. The Boys and Company C. You mm-hmm. got Coming Home with Jane Fonda, John Voight. Um, and then mm-hmm. the fourth one, the big one, is actually The Deer Hunter, obviously right. directed Ooh. by Michael Cimino with mm-hmm. Christopher Walken, Robert De Niro, uh, John, he played in The Godfather. He's Fredo, Fredo in The Godfather. I'm blanking on his name. Go but, ahead, keep going. Uh, Meryl Streep, yeah. Uh, just a, a really all-star cast and a great movie, and a great movie, you know. Mm. But the thing about those four movies is that it's just a semblance of kind of what happened over there. And, and to your point, Swizz, you know, again, it's um, at least in two of them with the Deer Hunter and Coming Home, is dealing with that aftermath of as these troops are coming back and trying to reintegrate into society. You know what I'm saying? Like it shows their life, at least in a Deer Hunter, you know, life before going over there and then shows them coming back and then, also, in the case of the deer hunter, what's happening while they were over there? Like, obviously, mm-hmm. everyone knows about the the famous scene of you know um, them playing Russian roulette mm-hmm. with uh, with uh, Rob De Niro, and he gets away by shooting the other guards. You know, playing Russian roulette, mm-hmm. but also Christopher Walken playing it um, in downtown Saigon. You know, on a gamble. You know, mm-hmm. he's got nothing else left to lose, so he takes the gun, click, click, click. He's like, what? What? You know, that type of thing, you know. And I don't know, ha- ha- have you guys ever seen The Deer Hunter? Um, at, oh, yeah. At length or, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, doubling back, John Cazale is the... Uh, Thank you. Yes. ...is the uh, the actor who played Fredo, and he was also in uh, Dog Day Afternoon with uh, Pacino. Yeah. But, um, but his... Uh, yeah, I saw The Deer Hunter, another one that I had on VHS. Uh, mm-hmm. 
And I remember, I remember it being a great movie, and I remember being moved by those performances, and I remember being really haunted by that final sequence uh, with uh, Christopher Walken, where he plays Russian Roulette and ends up blowing his brains out. Spoilers. Um, (laughs) But it was not a movie that I wanted to see again Mm. for whatever reason. It didn't have rewatchable scenes other than the reference to that. I didn't know what what Russian Roulette was before I saw, probably saw that movie. I'd never heard of such a thing. Mm -hmm. But I I did see Deer Hunter, and I was aware, and obviously that was... That was the time when Robert De Niro's star was. Oh, psh. yeah, it was. I mean, it was, yeah, it was definitely it was it was taken Stella. off for him. Um, mm. But yeah, I did I did see Deer Hunter. Yeah. Okay, because the best scenes to me were actually the scenes where it was back home and you see the relationship of these guys. Mm-hmm. Like they're mm-hmm. just normal guys, you know. Mm-hmm. And and you see like De Niro pursuing this romance with uh, Streep, you know, and that type mm-hmm. of stuff. So when it gets over to them in Vietnam, it's kind of like those scenes are very effective, but not as effective as the scenes back home. You know what I'm saying? You know, and so that's the thing. Like America's then was trying to come to grips with, okay, these guys are coming home. What now? You know, you know, you got people calling them baby killers and so forth, but they're still, you know, they still did a job and they're back here now. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, the following year, in 79, you have the, the big one, the big one, Apocalypse Now, written and directed by, well, partially written by Francis Ford Coppola and John Milius, but definitely mm-hmm. directed by Francis Ford Coppola. And John mm-hmm. Milius, yeah. Yeah, this is a big one. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This is one that I think if you ask the average person on the street, Name me a Vietnam movie. They would either say Platoon, but probably before that, Apocalypse Now. You know? Right. I love the right. smell of napalm in the morning. You know? Charlie mm-hmm. Don't Surf. You know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I can't deny or, it. Or, or, or we're not born on the 4th of July, maybe. Not, not, as, not as much as this. Yeah, that Tom, one. Tom Cruise tried that. Yeah, but yeah, it would be further down the list. Exactly. If you said name another one. Name another one. Name another one. They would eventually. They would eventually get to. Yeah. Yeah. Because Metal Jacket and some others would come before that one. But go ahead, Adrian. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, but with Apocalypse Now, you you have like, just, you know. Coppola took the film to Cannes in 79. You know, he showed it there. And in, like, this press conference beforehand, you know, he was saying, you know, this film is like Vietnam, like the war itself. There were too many of us. We had access to too many, uh, too much money. Too much equipment. And little by little, we went insane. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) And it was just like, wow, wow. And I I own Apocalypse Now in three different versions. Every special Mm -hmm. edition that's come out, I've grabbed it. I own several books on it. And mm-hmm. the thing about it is, it's reflective of the Vietnam War, but mm-hmm. it's nowhere near realistic. But I love that movie to death. I love it mm-hmm. to death as an art mm-hmm. piece, as yeah. just a memorable piece of cinema. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If, yeah. if you yeah. guys have, have, have you guys ever seen it? I think Swang saw yeah, oh, yeah. it a little while ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Man, yeah. What, what do you guys think of it, man? Cinematography is incredible, man. Oh, I mean, it's 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 eerie as fuck. It yeah. reminds me of 
it reminds me of a um of a um oh um damn the guest with the guest we had on last a couple weeks ago was uh, an old that we did an old oh david grove the, uh, reminds me of an old david grove painting dude. i mean mm. I, I know that was, it was done it was done by our boy wasn't it done by done by uh the, the actual painting was done by uh, oh bob peak Bob Peak. Bob Pico. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So the whole era of of, of less is more and and Curioscuro and shadow and, and the eyes and on the the, the 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 hard light on the left side of the face and it was it was it was gorgeous, man. It was yeah. Gorgeous. But Kurt Kurtz and Kurtz to me, Kurtz was a personification of evil, dude. Mm. You know? And and he, he to to your point, Adrian, he very well could have been Kurtz very well could have been what Barnes was if he had he survived. Yeah. Well, you know? those 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 are the those men are weapons mm-hmm. that the military uses and that they know will get it done. They are the bulldozers that they know will dig the trench. They are the right. drills that they know will penetrate the side of the mountain. Like mm-hmm. no matter what, I don't have to like this son of a bitch, but I know mm-hmm. he will get us through this and he will make he will f- complete the mission. And mm-hmm. that's why that's why they're always necessary. That's why, mm-hmm. you know, what's what was said in Platoon about Barnes is going to get us out of here. He's the, what's going to keep mm-hmm. us to let us. That's what it is. You know, mm-hmm. there's a greater mm-hmm. chance of survival with this asshole than there is without him. And that's why mm-hmm. that's why you always have to have them in that role. And those people are born. You don't make somebody yeah. that way. They're born that way. They're yeah. definitely born that yeah. way. But um, yeah, I rewatched it uh, a month or two ago, and Adrian and I were talking about it, and I was just yeah. same mm-hmm. thing uh, that Dwight said. I mean, I just thought it was beautifully shot. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, you know, some of the compositions of some of the shots were incredible, and in the way the camera moved, mm. um, the casting. Even though casting is, you know, there were changes that were made, and yeah, um, and they and and Corporal still probably didn't get everybody that he wanted. He probably got some of the people that he wanted, not all of them. But the cast was just seemingly perfect. Even Martin Sheen as a short, kind of a slight guy, you still got a sense of him being kind of crazy and dangerous. Dangerous, so, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely did see it. Now, I don't agree that it's totally unlike what I've seen in other Vietnam movies in, in the sense of capturing some of the, the heat of the jungle and the discomfort and mm. the camaraderie between the soldiers, the, uh, mm. the separation, the, you know, the losing yourself in your mission. Yeah. Mission mm-hmm. above all else. I didn't get, think it was totally not that, but and and I don't want to jump too far ahead here. No, but no, please. It seems like in terms of Vietnam War movies, you either have either the movie takes place in the jungle, in the right. war, a specific moment in time in the war, or it takes place after the war, and you see the remnants and you see the fallout and and, and all of that. And the soldiers, as they come home, or you see a story where it starts before the war, the person goes into it as wanting, goes through the experience, and then comes out of it differently. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this one was definitely, like you, Adrian, pointed out in our exchange prior to recording, it was really about one man going crazy, mm-hmm. and he's sent to go get another crazy motherfucker. Right. Right. And he's just crazy enough where he might be able to get close enough to kill the guy. And mm-hmm. he does. And to yes. some extent, to some extent, without getting too far down in the weeds, there are comparisons to make with Platoon and Apocalypse Now between Sheen's character, Sheen Jr. and Sheen Sr. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Chris Taylor is an outsider 
who goes into the military. He mm-hmm. ultimately goes in and he is accosted uh, or he, you know, he butts heads with um, with with Barnes, who kind of becomes his father and yet his nemesis. Mm-hmm. And he kills him at the end of the movie. That's right. Mm-hmm. So this outsider comes in and ends up killing a guy who basically is a bad guy by the end of the film. And it's the same thing, mm-hmm. in Apoc- similarly, Apocalypse Now. Let's get an outsider who nobody knows. Let's send him mm-hmm. in to infiltrate. And then he's going to kill Kurtz, who's, who's played by Martin Brando, which he does at the mm-hmm. end. And that final mm-hmm. sequence where he's killing Brando, but you can't really see anything in the shadows mm-hmm. and the music. It's green and red. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, the colors. And then he comes out and he's covered in blood. And there's just a sea yeah. of, uh, of of the, the, the people, people in the village just, yeah. just everywhere. And it's like, yeah. you know, Oof. I almost wanted him to say, is this your king? You know, <laughs> you know right. yes, that's it was what just, it was. It's your, yes. I'm your new king. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, ah. I was like, wow. Yeah. It was, it, it was. It was crazy. That was a crazy, and, yeah. and then the musical choices, yeah, and, and the needle drops and the use of the doors. Was it uh, it wasn't break on through to the other side? Was it was it the end or this is the end? I think it was the end. Yeah, yeah. it was the end. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, it was the end. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh man, Mama. <laughs> yes, son. I want to. <laughs> <laughs> I love that shit, yeah. You know what? That's the, that's another one that really lives up to the hype. What's that? Mm-hmm. You know, when people say something is the truth, and it's like, okay, what is the truth? It lives up to the hype. That one lives up to the hype. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Sure. Yes, it does. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And, and you know, the thing with Apocalypse Now as well is, you know, there there's so many touch points in it. You know, like okay. The, the one of the big ones, and there's a lot of them in there, but one of the big ones for me is when all the choppers are coming in for the attack on that village. You know what I'm saying? And if you you overlay Ride of the Valkyries, Wagner over that, every single time I say out loud when I watch that, when it's coming in and you hear like the chorale, like, ha, 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 and they're skimming over the waves, Fuck me! Mm-hmm. Fuck me, yeah, man! Yeah. Holy yeah, shit! Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. god! Are you the, kidding the, me? The, the, the power yeah. of that sequence is so great, just to show you the reverberation, the pop culture reverberations of that is are so immense mm-hmm. that now in movies where kids are riding bicycles down the street, you can play that and you get the same rush. Mm-hmm. You can watch kids play mm-hmm. at a rolling on skateboards. You get the same rush. Yeah, you could mm-hmm. put it on animals running in the jungle. You get the same rush. It's going to mm-hmm. give it to you every single time. Possibly the yeah. greatest pairing of visual and Possibly. music together of of all time. Possibly. Oh my yeah. god. And maybe and maybe and second yeah. only to Bolero in ten. but you know the crazy the the crazy thing about that and as much as that scene just blows my mind every single time the thing that sits in the back of my mind too is is that you know Ride of the Valkyries was also used in Birth of a Nation you know what I'm saying for almost the same effect you know what I'm saying it's just like damn that's fucked up Mm -hmm. But I still yep. can't deny the power of it in Apocalypse Now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, man. And it's just, and, and I wonder if once that happened, you know, just in terms of Apocalypse Now being what it was and taking its place culturally 
in the zeitgeist, you know, if that didn't give license to Hollywood to say, you know what, maybe now we can do Vietnam movies, but perhaps in a more populist manner. You know, maybe we don't have to be so much in a verisimilitude of military terms and so forth. What if we made this stuff kind of popular, you know, or did it in a more entertaining manner such as this? So you start getting stuff like, like it starts in 83 with uh, Uncommon Valor with Gene Hackman. You know, okay. Hey, yeah. let's go yeah. back and get yeah. yeah. Let's go back and get those MIAs. Let's go back and get those guys who who are in um in the camps there. You know, what I'm mm-hmm. saying let's start that, mm-hmm. and you start right. beginning this cycle of movies where it's moving into okay, these guys are coming home, but then they're starting to go back. You know, this time we win, but 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 before that, in '82, you have First Blood, with mm-hmm. obviously Sylvester Stallone where it deals with a soldier coming back home, looking to reconnect with his old squad, his old platoon, mm-hmm. but he's being pushed, you know, by the local constabulary. But mm-hmm. it also deals with PTSD for, like, maybe the first time on film, albeit in a populist way, but it's showing that we have some, some guys that are coming back damaged, psychologically mm-hmm. and emotionally, that we mm-hmm. have to deal with. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And with that, I think, you know, me and Swain discussed it, you know, a few weeks back. I think it, too, qualifies as a Vietnam movie of sorts. For man. sure. For sure, man. I mean, no, I mean, I mean, for sure, man. I mean, you're looking at like, OK, he comes he comes to the town walking with his, with his army jacket on. Mm. Um, he, he looks slightly disheveled, but not but not but not out of control. You know, he wasn't he wasn't begging and bartering for money. He wasn't he wasn't panhandling anything of that nature. He's minding his own business going through a cafe. You know, and the county Maui decides that you know, you you look like one of them one of them, uh, them them baby killer soldier boys. What are you doing here? Who are you here to see? I'm just minding my own business. I just came through the town. You know, just he knows minding his own business, man. So to me, ultimately, it's about PTSD. But more than that, it's about pushing the wrong person too far at the wrong time. When I told you, leave me alone. I'm minding my own business. I'm not here bothering anybody. I'm not some vagrant that's going. I'm passing through town. Can you stop here to get some lunch, get some breakfast? You know. But he kept pushing him, and he kept pushing him. Why are so, you? Why are you pushing me? Yeah. What you right. say? Right. What you say? Right. I said, why are you pushing <laughs> right. me? Why are you pushing? Right. <laughs> right. So you know you push the wrong one. It shows a show, man. You know, pop goes pop goes the dragon, man. Pop goes the weasel, man. You know you you push me too far. You know, and I, and to me, because the only, the only thing I would say is suffering PTSD to me is because he wasn't like he wasn't like actively, you know, um, um, needing, needing help mentally. He was under control. He's minding his own business. Well, but, doing his thing. But, but, but keep in mind, though, PTSD, that's not how PTSD necessarily right. works. Post-traumatic okay. stress, you can get post-traumatic stress disorder from a car wreck. You can get it from right. having an alcoholic parent or uh, any kind of a traumatic situation can give you that. So it, you can still function. But, right. you know, there right. is that a dissociation. Yeah. yeah, there's a dissociation. Right. There's, there's, that, there's that trigger that happens. But Adrian mm-hmm. and I were talking about this uh, when I rewatched uh, First Blood. Um, mm. Maybe that's around that same time. Uh, yeah. I saw Apocalypse right. Now about it being a Vietnam movie. And it's a popcorn movie. You know, sure. it's a Hollywood mm-hmm. studio movie. Uh, right. Not unlike Platoon to some extent. You know, it is a Hollywood movie. But... Um, but yeah, it definitely qualifies as that. And I actually had come up with a couple of others that I'll mention later on that I think you may not be thinking about, but they do actually 
kind of qualify in the same in the same weird way. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm throw it out before the council and see if I uh, if I <laughs> okay. if, if it gets uh, accepted I'll, or rejected. I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got me on the edge of my seat. Okay, go ahead, proceed. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> I'm my time back though. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 first blood was 1982. That's right. And uh, and then obviously 86 was platoon. That's right. Okay. And did you ever see him? I've never seen Hamburger Hill all the way through. I've only seen oh, bits man, and pieces I've of it. I've seen that numerous times as a kid. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, that one came out in, in 87, and I, was, I right. watched a little bit of that in preparation for this conversation. So I didn't realize Ooh. Courtney B. Vance was in it. Don okay. Cheadle. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dylan McDermott. Dermott, yep. Uh, 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 Weber. What's the actor's name? Steven Weber? Steven Weber, yep. Steven mm-hmm. Weber's in it. And I'll tell you what, man, you know, as things that don't hold up for me as again, mm-hmm. as a as a 50 plus year old guy who considers himself to, you know, to still be growing. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, when I see them go to like the the massage brothel and they get in the hot tub with the uh, <laughs> with the yeah. Vietnamese women after getting massaged. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking, OK, so. These women are essentially probably sexual slaves, okay? Right. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're having to use their bodies just to get out of a terrible, horrible situation that they found themselves right. in. Yeah. And yeah. you guys are good with it. War truly is hell. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, it truly is hell. Because I was just like, ugh. Ugh. Yeah. And when yeah, they started kissing each other, I was like, okay, I'm not ugh because they're kissing these women who are who are who are uh who are you know who are ladies of the evening. I'm going ugh because they're kissing these dudes who are like we came over here to kill, but we want to have sex with you first. Ugh. Right. ugh. <laughs> anyway. Going back to first blood and what you were saying, you know, and the implications therein, you know, just with the PTSD and everything. Even though mm-hmm. it is a popcorn movie, just the way that it ended, you know, really brought mm-hmm. that issue home. So you're thinking, nobody was thinking there was going to be a sequel after that, but right. there was a sequel. And then there was also Several. a competitor to that sequel. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because right. in 1984, you have Chuck Norris who makes, hey, 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 and I fully admit, this is a guilty pleasure of mine. Missing in action. <laughs> I I love that movie. I'm sorry, yo. I love missing in action. <laughs> that movie's my shit, man. I love missing in action, yo. Dang. Chuck's world, man. Chuck's world. It is. It is. But what's so funny about that is now you're starting to have this theme of that was started with Uncommon Valor in 83. Hey, let's go back and get those, you know, um, missing in action, as the title states, yeah. you know, in these. Right. Camps, supposedly, they're still being held in North Vietnam. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This time we win. This goes right. into the whole jingoistic era that Reagan is bringing about. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Upping the military budget. The army is everything. I even mm-hmm. got swept up in it as a kid. Do you mm-hmm. know when I was eight, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mailed mm-hmm. off something to the Marines. I mailed off a... um. You could fill out something to get like information from the Marines. And I put right. my true age on there. <laughs> that wow. was eight. And do you know they right. sent me back like a little packet or something? And they sent me on an iron-on patch for a t-shirt that said Marines. Nice. You know what I'm saying? 
Wow. So wow. even so even I got Who swept wow. up in it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? That's it. That's it. And and the films in this period from like about 83, 84 to about right before Platoon, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 85, 86 really start to reflect that jingoism to a T. I mean, mm-hmm. it is a 180 difference with the second, you know, Rambo against the first one. Same thing with mm-hmm. missing in action. You know, now you have mm-hmm. a nation, instead of really trying to come to grips with these guys coming home, now they're like, no, no, no. You know what? We didn't lose. We're going to go back in there and kick their ass. We're going to go back there and kick right. the communist right. ass. You know? Right. And those movies right. made a lot of money. A lot yes, of money. Did. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah, yeah. It was around that time, too, man, I believe, where they were, they were still fighting uh, soldiers in Vietnam, they, where, they, where they, would want, they, were, they were telling them that, you know, conditions of us, us losing certain embargoes and, and certain trade deficits and whatever, that you would release certain soldiers, or release, a, release, a, release a soldiers you still have prisons in the concentration camps. I think John McCain might have been one of those. Well, well that yeah. was back in the back 70s. Yeah, in like the 70s, he came yeah. out in the initial batch in the 70s. But they were okay. still saying as late as like, you know, the early 80s that supposedly 80s, yeah. there were still yeah. guys over there, you know, what I'm saying yeah. unaccounted yeah. for or whatnot, yeah. you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, and just the movies reflected that before Platoon came came around and just kind of tamped that down and said, uh, no, mm-hmm. I, no, this is the experience mm-hmm. that, you know, a semblance of the experience that was had over there. Right. So after Platoon. Right. You have a whole spate of movies after that, but um, mm-hmm. Swain, you you were gonna say something about those movies? Well, I, I know you mentioned a few. I, uh, I was gonna throw out there also too. Uh, Good Morning Vietnam with Robin Williams yes. in nineteen eighty seven. D mentioned that. earlier, Born on the Fourth of July. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. which starred Crom. Did Oliver Stone direct that? He wrote and directed mm-hmm. it with Ryan okay. Kovic. Yep. Yes. Okay. Okay. So yeah, born on the fourth of July, and then you have uh, other things after that. But mm-hmm. um, I was going to throw out there to some extent, Forrest Gump yes, in 1994. Yo. It's not mm-hmm. a Vietnam mm-hmm. movie, but the sequence with Vietnam felt yeah. good. It felt yeah. I felt peril. I felt yeah the sense of loss. Like for Lieutenant Dan, I felt like Lieutenant mm-hmm. Dan was Barnes. But he got his legs blown off before he could be mm-hmm. Barnes mm-hmm. to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I got I, I mean, that sequence in the movie and then also the fact that, you know, that Forrest. I don't think he got drafted. He enlisted in the army yeah. and, uh, and Oliver Stone, likewise, you know, enlisted in the army, you know, as a, you know, a well-off kid, you know, enlisted in the army and, 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 and requested to be in, in uh, combat duty. You know, and did and ended up getting injured. So anyway, I thought that that sequence felt like, okay, wow, this actually feels like some of those previous efforts. The other one, and you all are going to laugh when I say this, maybe not, but uh, Kong Skull Island. What the fuck? What? <laughs> Kong, have you seen it, D? I've seen I've seen parts of it, which, I, which I, can, I can see I, I can see the the whole vibe that you're, that you're headed for. But uh, so if you're gonna do that, go ahead. Uh, if you're gonna do that, I'll go right. So just say about that first. Go ahead. Okay, Kong Skull Island takes place in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, they're going on a mission. Uh, Sam Jackson is essentially Captain Ahab. He's Barnes. He's the hardened, older, senior person who's leading this young troop. They get on helicopters. They fly in. Hmm. They don't tell them. They don't tell them what they're getting into. 
They encounter the ape. The ape smashes the helicopters out of the sky. So the whole movie really is American troops yeah. coming into a situation yeah. that they can't handle. They don't know what they're up against. They're, they're, the enemy is in, is 10 stories tall, but he's essentially invisible because they didn't expect him. Mm-hmm. And then Sam Jackson's character becomes hellbent on, I'm going to take this motherfucker out. I'm going to win this. By all costs, I'm going to win this. And it literally mm-hmm. comes down, the end of the movie literally almost comes down to a standoff between him and King Kong. Mm-hmm. And there's there's napalm, and there's firebombs, and there's the camaraderie between the soldiers. There's the sequence mm-hmm. where uh, Brie Larson's character plays a photographer, and she does the obligatory. She takes photos of uh, of the guys, and they're, you know, aping for the camera and right. posing. And, you know, yeah. you see them, right. you know... It's all of those things, except it has a giant monster in it. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> D it, and I, I can I can see D's these gears spinning where you're going. I don't know exactly where you go. Go ahead. You know where I'm headed. You know yeah, headed. go ahead. Bring so, it. So 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 take that into several years later. Fast forward to uh, let's say around 1985, we have uh, a group of expert soldiers. <laughs> They're dropped into a jungle <laughs> to, fa- to, to face an unseen enemy. Yes. That then they have no idea what, what what they're up against. They end up, you know, end up end up, uh, you know, all dying except for the one that decided, "I'm t- I'm as bad as you. Are. I'm gonna take you out." Right. I'm talking about Predator, first Predator, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, and, you know, and you, you know what's going on. Yeah, I, like as like, as, as, as Swizz was saying it, I was looking at you the whole time, and I could see right. both our gears. Like, wait a minute, that sounds like yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but yeah, man, yeah, man. So just I mean, there's something about the about the jungle, man, aspect of things, and and having to find your way through through something that's unknown territory. And that that makes that, that that ups the ante for any kind of story. Um, and when you bring you bring soldiers and the unknown into it, and someone try to kill those soldiers into it, it changes everything. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah man. I mean, it might not have been Vietnam in in, in Kong Skull Island or in Predator, right? But but the I mean, aesthetics it's, were it's there. essentially yeah. yeah. It's it's the aesthetics, and and it's it yeah. feels the same. If you want, and I'll mm-hmm. be honest with you, Kong Skull Island is very entertaining. Oh yeah. Okay. It's very entertaining. I'm not like a, a giant monster type guy, like you know Pacific right. Rim or you know right. uh, any of that stuff. But it's pretty entertaining, you know. Okay. Uh, okay. And largely because of Sam Jackson in the cast. Um, uh, I think his name's Kevin Mitchell, the guy who played Easy E in uh in the uh, oh, Straight okay. Outta Compton movie. He's yeah, in okay. it. Uh, there's some other character actors that you know. Uh, John Goodman's in it. Brie Larson's in it. Uh, Tom Hiddleston is in it. He plays like he plays like the. Uh, the, the badass, you know, the the, okay, the, okay. the badass contractor that comes along with the soldiers, but he's, you know, I'm not a soldier kind of guy, so. I got right. you, got you. Anyway, that was a real <laughs> derailment of this conversation. Go ahead. Well, that was a good <laughs> one. I like that. I appreciate that. Segway, segway. <laughs> All right, so, so getting back on track, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. With Platoon, though, you do have more of an effort to get movies out there that kind of reflect that same aesthetic, if you will. So you do mm-hmm. have things like um, Hamburger Hill, and then you have another big one, another touchstone that many people will say: Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket. Metal Jacket from yeah. 1987. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, and what's so what's so interesting about this movie is, and I didn't realize this until I thought about it as an adult. I saw this as a kid, believe it or not. 
You know what I'm saying? And it, and it mm-hmm. didn't didn't fuck me up at all. Even with the right. whole training sequence and Private Pile and all of that, you know, right. that stuff kind of almost washed over me. And it right. it didn't hit me until I was an adult. But right. Full Metal Jacket really is two different movies in one. It yeah. really is. The, the mm-hmm. first half is how do you take young men and turn them into trained killers by mm-hmm. breaking them down, mm-hmm. assaulting them, you know, verbally, you know, mm-hmm. physically. Maggots. Yeah, right. exactly. And turning them into killers. And then the second half is now they have to take that training and go out in the field. And it comes down to when it's time to use that training, how once people start shooting, some of that stuff goes out the window. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And yeah. by the most unlikeliest of of threats. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so with that, I think many people will cite, if you ask them about a Vietnam movie, name a Vietnam movie, they will probably say Apocalypse Now, Platoon, or Full Metal Jacket. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because it's infinitely quotable and everything, mm-hmm. but I think many people are of the opinion that the first half of the movie is actually the strongest. You know? And even mm-hmm. even rewatching it now, recently, I find that to be true. It's like, once they leave the 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 the, the training camp after Private Powell kills himself and everything, mm-hmm. like the rest of the movie up until like the very end where they're facing off against the sniper, I almost check out on it. And even though there are some mm-hmm. great some great lines in there and great quotable quotables, it's almost mm-hmm. like, yeah, the movie is like that. The training camp. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? What, what yeah. about you guys? Yeah, man. Actually that's all I can all, all I can I can remember is 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 the as uh, a dressing down sequence with with uh you know uh, with uh, army, you know he always so, 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 the sergeant he's going off on him like you know I'll, I'll rip your neck off and I'll shit down your neck and mm. I, saw, I saw I could you know that that that's, that's a, a constant refrain for me when, when it comes to that movie and then of course the that that the character that um, that kills himself that was played by um, Vincent D'Onofrio. Um, yeah. yeah, Kingpin. Kingpin, mm-hmm. yeah. Kingpin, later on, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was like, wow, he's he's come a long way, man. And Vincent Offer, he's always kind of, he's always kind of taken those risky roles and made him his own anyway. Like when he, he played when he was playing in the cell with Jennifer Jennifer um, Jennifer um, Lopez. Lopez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he he drove that home too, man. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. Agent. The first part of the movie was all I really could re- reflect on. Remember, man. The rest of it was like, uh, yeah, I fell asleep during. I think maybe a couple times. Yeah, and and you know the thing about um, Vincent D'Onofrio is that he said that when he was coming up with how to play Private Powell, he said he mm-hmm. wanted to play him. He he studied Frankenstein, the the movie Frankenstein, because okay. it's. Wow. Because to him, he felt like what was being built here was a monster. You know what I'm saying? You know, like Powell comes in, it's like this this goofball or whatnot. Right. But little <laughs> by little, and under under the duress of you know the drill sergeant played by Arlie Ermey and his mm-hmm. fellow classmates, when when they beat mm-hmm. him for that infraction of having that jelly donut. In his footlocker, right. the the soap, right. the soap in the sock. <laughs> oh man! Now that part, that part still makes me wince because it's like these supposed to be your boys, man. But right. they're your boys, and they're administering this corporal punishment to your ass, and just to yeah, hear yeah, them right. sobbing and crying like a little kid. Like, I'm sorry, right. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Damn. 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 Oh yeah, yo. man! Crazy. And man, just and, and then the way Kubrick just shoots the whole film is very detached. 
like all these blues and then even the soundtrack itself like of the the pinging like just ting 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 yeah. you know just oh man and then just that 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 waning kind of synth just really puts yeah. the oof just really puts it on there you know what i'm saying yeah. Yeah. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, man. Isn't, isn't this the same film that the um, the, the starting starts off? See that man next to you, to the left of you. That's your brother. Is that is that quotable from that, or is that from another another film? That's, that's from another film, bro. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, man. The one, the quote I remember from the dressing down was, "Is the best part of you ran down the crack of your mother's ass and made a brown spot on the on the sheet." God damn, yeah, yeah. yes. Or he said, or he said, he said something about. You had best unfuck yourself or I will unscrew your head and shit down your neck. How tall are you, private? Sir, five foot nine, sir. Five foot nine. I didn't know they stacked shit that high. You trying to squeeze an inch in on me somewhere, huh? Sir, no, sir. Bullshit. It looks to me like the best part of you ran down to crack your mama's ass and ended up as a brown stain on the mattress. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah. yeah, man. I was like, wow, wow. That yeah. manager was crazy. That was crazy. He's going off, man. He's going off on him, man. Trust mm-hmm. him hardcore. Yeah, and you know, the thing about Full Metal Jacket is, is that, you know, when you watch it now, especially in the, the second half of the movie where they're actually over there in Nam. Even as a kid, I realized for some reason, I didn't know that this was filmed in England until I was much older. Yeah. But I yeah. kept wondering, why is it so gray? Why, yeah. do, they keep, why yeah. do they keep using that one chopper? Why is it not a right. Huey? Where is this? Where is that? Right. Why is it these yeah, old buildings? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fucking Kubert one. I've never liked Stanley Kubert's directing style. It's always too slow. Mm-hmm. and just slow and drippy just uh, the glacial pace is just too much for me mm-hmm. but um but yeah same thing when i first saw it way back in the day i was like okay this is not vietnam <laughs> uh, i thought it was like new zealand or something it was just like okay, it's just overcast <laughs> as fuck and uh it just didn't look like it it didn't feel like it you know um mm. yeah none of that so yeah you're right yeah and you know this leads into also a period where you know, a lot of the, um, uh, I hate to say Vietnam mania, but uh, the, 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 the thirst for this type of material actually bled on to television as well. So you have like Tour of Duty on CBS mm-hmm. around this time. Mm-hmm. Very popular, very popular mm-hmm. show. And then China Beach also on ABC. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and you had all of these throughout the rest of the decade, throughout the late 80s. You know, a lot more of these um, uh, Vietnam movies coming to the fore. Like you have Bat 21 with Gene Hackman, Danny Glover. Uh, you got Off Limits in 88 with uh, Willem Dafoe, who stars in quite a few Vietnam movies. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Um, and Gregory Hines. Uh, you got The Iron Triangle in 89 with Bo Bridges. Uh, <laughs> another one that's a guilty pleasure as a kid, but I can't stand to watch it now. <laughs> Platoon leader from Canon Films in 1989. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that's it's that, it's that Dollar Tree knockoff with Platoon. Platoon yeah, yeah. leader. And it stars yeah, the yeah. guy that played in American Ninja, Michael Dudikoff, oh, who is wow, nobody, wow, nobody's wow. tough guy. He is wow. nobody's <laughs> tough guy, man. And it's like, yeah, no, stop it. Just stop it. Stop right? it. Stop it. You know, and of course that, that opening 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 singles of the, the do 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 do
That's my shit. <laughs> but but then you have like two movies at the end of the decade that you know were were pretty good and kind of wrap up the '80s period as far as like Vietnam um, movies. Uh, you got Born on the Fourth of July uh, by Oliver Stone, mm-hmm. as you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. another one that not a lot of people mention, but it is quite good if you get a chance to watch it. Uh, it's mm. The Siege of Firebase Gloria with mm. R. Lee Ermey and Wings Hauser. Oh, okay. I've that never is- heard of this film. <laughs> wow. Whoa, really? Oh, man. Oh, man. It, it's, it's great. It's great. In fact, um, I grew up on that. Like My dad brought it home. It's a B-movie, for sure, mm-hmm. but... I mean, very authentic in terms of mm. depicting, like, you know, life on a fire base. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, it definitely has some popcorn moments to it. I'm not going to get get anything wrong there. But very good late 80s Vietnam movie, for sure, mm. for sure. It's the Siege of Firebase Gloria, you know. Um, and, and then coming into the 90s, you start getting a sense of, you know, the tide is kind of turning. I think that is also due to the fact of the first Gulf War as well. Of course, yeah. So, yeah. You, mm-hmm. so you start having like another different type of war altogether mm-hmm. beginning to come into the zeitgeist, you know, and Vietnam kind of moving to the rear, so to speak, even though there are movies mm-hmm. still being made. Like, yeah, the movie about the air war in Vietnam, Flight of the Intruder in 1991, Mm. And then you come to like the middle of the 90s where you have a few movies made about the black experience in Vietnam. You know, mm-hmm. you have stuff like in 95, you got Dead Presidents mm-hmm. by the Hughes brothers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. man, I, I love that movie. Dead Presidents is fantastic to me. I, I love it, man. Mm. And I, I think, I re- yeah. I, I rewatched it uh, yesterday. And uh, enjoyed it more, like like Platoon, I enjoyed it more than I did when I first saw it back in the day. Uh, mm. And I agree with you that, although I don't think it's a great film, I think maybe it was a little, um, it was a little out of the reach of the Hughes Brothers' uh, skills at the time. Yeah. I think they were still young filmmakers, so they were things that I feel like if they were making it now, it would be a better a better looking film. It would it would feel differently. That you know, some more of the things that they tried would work but i think the 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 story itself i thought was great because mm-hmm. you do follow as we mentioned earlier you follow uh lorenz tate's character um anthony curtis right that's yeah. right mm-hmm. yeah and you follow him going from you know where he lives uh in america and his life before that and the people that he knows and then he goes and joins the military against the wishes of his parents yeah um has this crazy experience meets these you know these other crazy people he meets Booking Woodbine's character, who is <laughs> losing it. Yeah, uh, you know his friend uh, uh, Chris Tucker, who plays his friend. He's there. Yeah, uh, and he's he's a drug addict, and 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 you just see all of this stuff happen to him. And then when he comes back, you know his girlfriend, who he left when she was pregnant, they reunite, and you see how his mm. life just kind of unravels. He can't really make money, can't hold down a job, and so he gets drawn into right. into uh, into a life of crime. And this in this big heist, and that's where you know the image of the chalked faces and all that comes from. But yeah, that was I enjoyed it more because of the story and what it was t- what it was talking about. It again, you know, poor kids who you know maybe don't have a whole lot of options, and they kind of get fooled into this 
you know, going and doing this thing, or they do it on the lark, and then, you know, that's it. They're changed forever. Yeah, but, um, And, you know, it's, it's funny because the, the thing about it is, is that it actually has a, a semblance of quite a few other Vietnam movies in it. I mean, you know, you have the judge at the end who passes the verdict, Martin Sheen. He obviously played in Apocalypse Now. You right, got right, Keith, right. You got Keith David, you know, obviously played in Platoon. You know, he's mm -hmm. in it. You know, yeah, it's Kirby. Kirby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? And then mm -hmm. you also have the semblance of it's almost like the deer hunter in that you see like the the misadventures that Anthony and his friends get into before they go over there. You know what I'm saying? They're, right. just, they're just young dudes doing their thing. Right. You know, whatever, right. getting mm -hmm. caught up and all. And then once they go off to the war and have these crazy experiences and really see this stuff happen. Now mm -hmm. they come back home and they're trying to process mm -hmm. these things and they can't quite grasp it. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, man, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I just I just thought to me it was well done. And, and I agree with you, Swain, just in terms of the, the Hughes brothers were very young at the time. Definitely. But there's something about that. Some of those stylistic choices that that, that, that were pretty good to me, you know, but mm. just the fact that they took influence from these other Vietnam movies and other actors mm -hmm. from those movies and put them in there. Mm -hmm. And I, th I think it just really helped it, you know. And just in terms, again, just the overall bringing that experience somewhat, you know, the black experience from mm -hmm. Vietnam, mm -hmm. you know, was something that you rarely see. And the other movie that I was going to mention, too, about um, that along those same lines was, have you guys ever heard of this movie called The Walking Dead from 1996? Had Joe Morton, uh, Alan Payne, and Eddie Griffin in it. No. No? You know, when you sent the, the, the note over, I saw the title and it sounded familiar, but when you say Alan Payne, now I'm sure I've seen part of it before. I know I have. Yeah, mm. yeah he wears yeah. glasses in that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And um, I saw that in the theater. Like, my, <laughs> my mom was always taking me, yo. <laughs> mm. Me and my mom went to go see it. And, you know, I'm sitting there 16 with my arms folded. I was like, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That didn't, that's not how that, no. That's not how that, no. No, they, mm -hmm. nah, they wouldn't have been up in the trees. No, they wouldn't have did that. But looking back at it now, it just played recently uh, a few months ago on cable. And I was mm -hmm. like, I ain't seen this since I saw it in the theater. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And I was struck by, you know, this is one of the few movies that even attempts to have a semblance of that black experience in Nam. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So for that, I'm like, okay. But it kind of falls into Good some passion. of the cliches, you know, that you would expect right. from a movie like that with brothers in right. it and all this stuff. Yeah. But, so, so with that, speaking of cliches, this is what I wanted to get into. <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> uh -oh. I'm rubbing my hands together, Dr yo. <laughs> drum roll. Yes. <laughs> The, the the other byproduct of you know um, Vietnam war movies, and I think war movies in general, as Hollywood has produced them, is that mm -hmm. you do start to have cliches that replicate themselves in seemingly every production. You know, for sure. And in particular, yes, good, In particular, with <laughs> Vietnam war movies, okay. Yes, man. There is a cliche. <laughs> all right. One of the cliches to me, one of the biggest ones that is almost abused is it's not Vietnam if you don't hear Motown, 
Jimi Hendrix <laughs> or Painted Black? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's not Vietnam. Vietnam yeah. didn't happen. It didn't yeah. happen. Yeah. If y'all hear that, yeah. no. <laughs> yep. There's one. There's one radio station you get at the uh, uh, down the river, <laughs> and it only plays Tears of the Clown, Painted Black. <laughs> All along the watchtower. That's all you hear. Yeah. <laughs> or or hey Joe some, or some shit. Or, or sometimes, sometimes we're smattering a, ba- a baby love by by by, by Diana Ross and Supreme. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So it's always the music. Always the music, yeah. man. When, when you, you guys got any cliches, man? Oh man. Um, I I one I have one cliche name I threw out there, and that's Steven Seagal. And he's always the 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 the, the wannabe disenchanted, you know, warrior supreme that, that goes these places and has the ability to kick everybody's ass. And but he doesn't have like he has like this, this this stoic passive look on his face that I'm not really here to hurt you. I left it behind a long time ago. But if you come with me, you know that kind of thing, man. Yeah. It's just like, well, well, he was I, well, he played he played um in Above the Law in like his first um Hollywood film. They have a flashback mm-hmm. to him in Vietnam, and yes, yeah. even though he's supposed yeah. to be playing a younger guy, it's still mm-hmm. Steven Seagal. You know what I'm right. saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and he's a sa- he's a sailor in, in, in Under Siege. Uh, bit, yeah. Is he a ex soldier in? Yeah, he's ex seal. Uh, marked for yeah. death. No, no, he he works for the. Uh, FBI or one of those one of those agencies like that, not CIA. But he's an investigative agent. Which one? Which one is the one that he's with the uh, screw fist? Is that Mark for death? Yes, that was Mark for death. Yes, screw okay, fist. Okay. Yeah, screw fist. <laughs> screw fist. I, I was gonna say, man. Um, so you've got to have, you know, the new person who's coming to the crew. You you, mm-hmm. you see a lot of that. You always see, mm-hmm. of course, the hardened leader. You know, the hardened, you know, kind of a stoic leader who's, you know, who's, you know, like seen it all and done it all. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You've got to have the the motley crew of different personalities and weird nicknames and, yeah. you know, and that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, they all that, you know, they got to give each other shit and call each other names and all that. Yeah. And then there must be the inevitable fight between soldiers. Hey, 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 all right, now break it up, now break yes. it up. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have, yeah. you know, two soldiers who, who don't get along. And the other one I thought about was, is uh, there must be the scene where some soldier either pulls out a picture or a letter and then kind of laments about how much they miss home <laughs> and I got a girl and yes. when I get back, I'm, I'm going to open up a store like yes. my daddy did or some some. Right. Something like that, and you're like, okay, I know either you're gonna die or you're gonna get blown. Your legs are gonna get blown off or something, because yes, this dream exactly. of yours definitely ain't gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, the, the other one I thought about too was was that, um, and it happens in Apocalypse Now, and there's a couple more mm-hmm. in other um, Vietnam movies I've seen too. But the first time I saw it was in Apocalypse Now. Um, it's where Martin Sheen, Martin Sheen's character, and the other character Lance, mm-hmm. they go to the bridge, right? And mm-hmm. these and these and these black guys are shooting into the jungle, just like I'm gonna get you, yeah, motherfucker, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they call this one guy out with the M79 grenade launcher. I forget what his name was, but he don't say nothing. He's like, man, get 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 him, get him. He comes out, bloop, 
and you hear the you hear the Viet Cong out there, die GI die. <laughs> yeah. He got him, and Martin Sheen just kind of looks at him and says, "Hey, soldier." Do you know who's in command here? Yeah. And then walks back to his bunker. <laughs> I was like, and there's always that silent type in in a lot of Vietnam movies, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just like <laughs> he's a badass, but he'll say nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or, or the one that's got a death wish, yo. Yeah, like the one's got death, but he doesn't care anymore. It's like he don't get too close to Hanson. You know, he's got he's got one foot in the grave, one foot in the bullet. You know. Yeah, exactly. So and that's kind of the other thing too. You've always got to have kind of the druggy soldier. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you know, and a lot of them, you know, a lot of those dudes did go over there and become addicted to uh, to drugs and would come back and 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 would be messed up. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the other thing too is is like what Adrian kind of what you were uh, touching on with uh, with First Blood where. After a while, the idea of someone, you know, being messed up and having flashbacks and coming back from Vietnam kind of became a thing where it was like, mm-hmm. okay, everybody didn't get PTSD, you right, know, right. everybody didn't have flashbacks. You know, they almost started be right. called, being called Vietnam flashbacks. Yes. You know, people yes. would, would reference them as that. And even there was an, even ele- an element of that in uh, Jacob's Ladder. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. With uh, Tim Robbins, Tim there Robbins. Was ne- yeah, yeah. There was an element of that in that too. I think there was some some magic in that movie as well, but or mm-hmm. some kind of spirituality thing uh, as well. But um, but definitely that, and and also too, like um, because you have such a uh, an ensemble of characters, you kind of have like your typical Southern person, your typical New Yorker, um, yeah. You know, they're going to throw in, you know, one or two black guys who, you know, who really are there and they're going to do what they're supposed to do. But mm-hmm. in their hearts of hearts, they're not down with this shit. OK, they're like, you know, right. how did I end up right. here? What have I what have I done to deserve this? You know, and and in some cases, I want to say, haven't there been maybe I'm thinking about like World War Two movies as well. Well, they'll have a character like. uh like in a World War II movie, well, they they will have a Japanese American soldier with mm-hmm. the other Americans, and that person is having to obviously fight another battle. You know, mm-hmm. being Japanese or Japanese, you know, and then but still wearing you know an American uniform or whatever. But yeah, uh, well, see, what well, the thing with that is is that that that's how that that, that was kind of the tenuous relationship between the Americans and their South Vietnamese counterparts, the Army, right. you know, Army of Republic of Vietnam. You know, just like they regarded the Arvin as like, man, they are not good soldiers at all. We're giving them all this equipment and all they're mm-hmm. doing is just fucking things up. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's just like, man, the Arvin, they they were like, man, we're, we're trying to fight here. But some of them weren't trying to fight. They were like, man, when the North Vietnamese get close, I'm gone. I'm out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, which is funny, man. Because uh, going back to going back to pl- Platoon, man, it was interesting how okay, you know, um, Charlie Sheen's character, um, that's not Charlie Sheen, Mark, yeah, Charlie Sheen, Charlie Sheen's character mm-hmm. was 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 a, was a, was a, was a two timer. 
and you, you don't you, you hurt two times in the war, you go back home to the bases and you're done. Well, it's interesting how Corey Glover's character stabbed his own self with a knife in the end, so he had to go back for a second time. He just, this is going to be his last, it's going to be his, uh, his last end of tour. Mm-hmm. And he, so self-inflicted wounds get you get you out of the service too. But no, no, nobody's there to see him do it himself. So, he, so they, he, he, they thought it was, he was, you know, taken in battle because a lot of people died. Yeah. So yeah, so that was kind, that was kind of interesting, kind of cool, and kind of funny too at the same time. So what the, what the hell is he doing? Is he stabbing himself in the leg so he has to go back, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> go back yeah. in the service? Well, what they call so it, the, like, they call it the million dollar wound. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the one that gets you sent home, back out right. into the quote unquote the world. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Adrian, what did you think, and D, what did you think of the sequences in uh, the HBO's The Watchmen, or HBO's Watchmen, um, mm. that did take place in Vietnam, and the use of that nice. within the story? Because, you know, I think about, you know, of course, you know, you do have like, oh, somebody who, I think it was a kid or a teenager or whatever, and he secretly had a bomb or whatever, and ends up blowing mm-hmm. up uh, Regina King's, Regina King's. Uh, parents and, and making her parents, an orphan yeah, yeah but right. the idea that you know you have the vietnam war but it's a different kind of a war in this universe and mm-hmm. she's born there so she's vietnamese american mm. by proxy yeah you know mm-hmm. yeah she essentially is vietnamese american and then she comes back home to live with her uh it was her aunt i believe it was yeah or her grandmother i forget maybe her grandmother i think it was her grandmother i can't remember well, she's going. Yeah, she's going to because but, but she died before she yeah. got back. Yeah, right? before she, she before she yeah. got back. But just even yeah. the the sequences that you did see, and then as it relates to like the comic, where in the comic, mm-hmm. you know, we see mm. Doctor Manhattan being used as the ultimate Bob Barnes or the ultimate, you know, napalm or weapon or whatever uh, mm-hmm. to help America mm-hmm. win the war. Like that was kind of interesting to me because it, you know, it didn't really in either of those cases, the comic or in the TV show. Neither one of them made use of the tropes or the, uh, you know, the the things that we normally see over and over again in movies mm-hmm. like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I, I agree with you. I think, and that was one of the things that. Well, that wasn't the same war, so forget that. I was going to say, and even in um, uh, the uh, other HBO series, uh, Lovecraft Country, but that was World War Two, mm-hmm. so that, that didn't that right. not the same thing, right? But but yeah, man, yeah. I mean, you're right. It was it was it was interesting to see that. Okay, the war is over. Here we are. We're all in Hanoi, you know, and we're we're, just, we're, we're chilling out. You know, they're, they're doing a parade now, based on the fact that you know the quote unquote Americans won the war, mm-hmm. and we're we're occupying we have a base here occupying Vietnam, and everybody well, no, we're v- safe. Vietnam was a state. <laughs> Remember, yeah, it was a state in the it union. Was, it, it was yeah. a part of the United States. Now it was it was the ultimate oh, right. move in exactly. colonialism. That's right. If you, if, when you think about <laughs> exactly. it, exactly, yeah, yeah, which is crazy, yeah, right, exactly, which is crazy. So yeah, it's like, and they they thought they were safe, and they really weren't. Yeah, and they. Took him out. Yeah, yeah. Like, like it, it, it would be like you know, but the, the the strange thing is that it still fit in with the continuity of Vietnam still fighting off its occupiers. You know, Vietnam mm-hmm. has always, always had a history of fighting off the occupiers, be it yeah. the French, being the Japanese in World War Two, and then and by proxy the Americans who came over there to help South Vietnam, but still the North Vietnamese felt like you're still in our country, you know, impeding yeah. our progress to unify the country. So you're still yeah. occupiers mm-hmm. as well. So even though in Watchmen, in that continuity, you have <laughs> Vietnam being a state now, it's occupied by the United States, and there are still elements there that would feel like, no, no, we're going to use any means necessary 
to yeah exactly to defy this blowing here. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. i was uh doing some reading and and so from my understanding is is uh um i guess it was uh, was it eisenhower who said had the domino theory that's correct mm-hmm. where he was like okay if one country you know totally goes you know communist you know, then other countries will follow after it. So that was part of the reason why there was so much concern about the communist aggression coming mm-hmm. from the North North Vietnam into the South. It's like, okay, if they take over the South, that's it. You know, then, you know, we'll have an, you know, a large country, you know, with some strength and with po- some power and some numbers, and it's completely communist. And so the North Vietnamese were kind of sponsored and helped by the Chinese and the Russians, correct? Or the uh, Soviets? That's correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like supplying them and saying, because, you know, they were communists and they were like, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. do your thing, yeah. Shorty. Shorty, yeah. we got you, you know. <laughs> right. uh, but I was going to share a, a, a story, uh, not a story really, but um, I, was, I remember talking to my pops and talking to him about the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. So my father was in the mil- went into the army. Uh, he and my mother got married. They, uh, he went into the army. My mother got pregnant. Mm-hmm. She was actually pregnant before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this, my sister was born in 63. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they were stationed in Alaska and got sent back like literally a month before my sister was born. She was almost born in Alaska, which I've been meaning to tell her would be a much doper thing to say than you were born in Chicago. Although Chicago is, is awesome, but, <laughs> but, she, but to say you were born in Alaska would just be kind of a dope thing to say. Yeah, but indeed. I remember asking my pops, you know, hey, you know, did you ever think that you were going to be sent into, uh, into combat in Vietnam? Because, you know, sister's born in 63. He didn't get out until like 67. So that was right as things were starting to ramp up. You know, I think mm-hmm. the, the war officially we officially entered the Vietnam War in '64. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there, we're a few years in, and people are starting to hear about bodies coming back and people being blown up and jungles and what the fuck. And I remember mm-hmm. him saying that he had made up his mind that if they sent him over there and he had to go into combat, that he was he would go ahead and go and he would do what he had to do when he got over there. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, which was you know, it's kind of a chilling thing to hear. But you know, he was a twenty-something-year-old kid. Yeah. Uh, right. And I suspect now, you know, you know, he, you know, he would think differently about those things and, and what he was being asked to do. But right. um, but another thing is, is I was trying to think, I said, well, do I know anybody whose parents would have been old enough to have been, you know, like maybe children, you know, during the Vietnam War? And I texted mm-hmm. uh, my coworker, my buddy Tuan. Both mm-hmm. his parents were born in Vietnam. Wow. Okay. And I was asking him and he said, um, he said, I said, well, were they kids? And he said, no, he said, uh, he said, actually, he said, um, uh, this, so this is the interesting part. He said that when his father and his mother got here, uh, the government gave them birth, birth years because in Vietnam at that time, they didn't have birth certificates. It was, everything was a guesstimate. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So, so okay. they told his father, yeah, you were born in 51. So that would make his father about 70 years old. And Tuan says his oldest sister is, I think, maybe 50. But, you know, like the fact that, you know, they just give you a birth year or whatever was just like. That's crazy. That was crazy to me. But Tuan said that he said, oh, no, he said, my father's a little bit, uh, a little bit older than you think. 
and uh, he actually did fight in the war. And you know, we were just wow. kind of kind of texting back and forth. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was really interesting to me because I just ha had no idea in terms of just the differences in society. So keeping that in mind, when you go back to like, let's say a scene in Platoon where they're in the village and there's a family there, mm -hmm. that's what's up. The only thing that we, the only way really that we know we exist is if we stay alive. Right. There are no records. Right. That's the other part right. that's so tragic about him killing the mother and killing that kid, you know, and, and Bunny killing that kid. The only way right. we, the world will ever know we're alive is if we're alive to talk about the fact that we're alive because there are no records, there are no social security numbers that I know of, apparently, right. and apparently there are no birth certificates. So, you know, that's it. You know, and that's why these traditions and why these things are so important and why it really is an invasion into their country when, you know, we show up with our tanks and our guns walking around like we own the fucking place. Yeah, right. and not to mention that you also have, like, um, they designated areas, free fire zones, you know, too. So you have, like, these um, nonviolent villagers, just people trying to mind their own business, caught between both sides. You have the VC mm -hmm. by night who come into the villages and say, stash these weapons or else, you know, right. or else we'll right. kill you. And then the Americans by day who might find those weapons and say, where do these weapons come from? Obviously, they're VC. Right. You're so you're side. VC. Right. Exactly. So we're right. going to cost you as well. So right. it's just really just a, a huge human tragedy and all the atrocities done, um, not only by the um, North Vietnamese, but by the Americans as well, as has yeah, been definitely. brought to light. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, right. Too far too many, you know. And I, 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 I just really think that that part of the war, you know, has rarely been seen on screen because the last thing I wanted to mention, uh, just in terms of uh, these Vietnam movies, is that mm -hmm. coming up to the 2000s, you know, you do have a couple of Vietnam movies made then. You have uh, We Were Soldiers in 2002 with Mel mm -hmm. Gibson. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the thing I want to comment about that is, is that. That's obviously post 9-11, you know. Mm. So the whole country is kind of on knife point in terms of its patriotism, you know. Mm. So you even have stuff like Pearl Harbor and other movies like around mm -hmm. that time that are very returning almost to that jingoism of, mm -hmm. you know, Rambo, First Blood Part Two, and Missing in Action, although right. they're depicting actual historical events this events, time right but mm -hmm. you can't have it end on a note that's downtrodden because mm -hmm. we're so sore after 9-11 you know it has to be uplifting to a certain point so yeah with the battle depicted in we were soldiers it was a terrible battle it was like the first major battle of the vietnam uh, war with u.s ground mm -hmm. troops and we were trounced mm -hmm. terribly mm -hmm. terribly mm -hmm. you know Mm. And you, you couldn't have it just end on a note like that. It had to be us winning that battle and beating them back for the time being. You know, just mm -hmm. like the same thing with Pearl Harbor. You can't end with just Pearl Harbor being bombed. We got to skip right. forward where we show them bombing Tokyo. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's the kind of sense that you get, you know, from movies, especially post 9-11, you know, because they happen, obviously, 
you know, early in the decade. And then after that, you have uh, Rescue Dawn uh, with uh, Christian Bale about the downed um, pilot (laughs) in North Vietnam, which I've never seen. And I'm like, eh. Now, now for that movie, did Christian Bale actually immerse himself in the role and become Vietnamese? <laughs> man, man, that's hilarious. He lost, but, his, he lost his whiteness so that he could actually become Vietnamese. <laughs> <laughs> man, that's hey, funny. Man, I, I, I got a question for you, Adrian, and you guys. I want to see what you think about this. Okay. Do you, th- do you think, in terms of the, the idea behind, especially movies that are real, pseudo real depictions of, of, of wars like Vietnam and World War II and so on and so forth, that have these, these great. Uh, moralistic endings is an attempt to 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 um, retell the American standing in terms of how things really went. In fact, and, 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 I, I'm glad you brought that up, D. That's one of the last points I really wanted to make. Um, an overall mm-hmm. point over these over these two part this this two parter that we're doing. You know, mm-hmm. I was thinking about that earlier today in those in those um, terms. You know, take mm-hmm. like for instance something like Saving Private Ryan. Okay, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. first 20, 25 minutes of them storming Omaha Beach is harrowing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is mm-hmm. probably the the most realistic, most harrowing depiction of D-Day ever yeah. committed mm-hmm. to film. Ever. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Won't be beaten. Mm-hmm. Longest mm-hmm. day, mm-hmm. whatever. Won't be mm-hmm. beaten. But I have not watched that in years because anything after that just seeps into sentimentality where yes. it's just like mm-hmm. nah, 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 yeah, right. I'm not right. my, no, sorry, Steven, right. no, yeah. no. And I've not watched it for years because of that. Whereas, yeah. whereas something like Platoon or even, get this, you might not have realized this, but even The Big Red One, both of them mm-hmm. are written and directed yes. by combat veterans. You know, okay. The the man who directed and uh, wrote the Big Red One, Samuel Fuller, I love I love mm-hmm. his stuff. I have his memoir as well. You know, been a long time fan, and it's based on his experiences. As crazy as they were in the film, they actually happened mm-hmm. to him. You know, what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and same thing with Stone. You know, obviously Platoon is you know autobiographical in, in a lot of instances too, and you can mm-hmm. sense the difference between those two movies and something like mm-hmm. Private Ryan. These two movies are made by people who actually went through combat and know how quick death can arrive to you. Know about the mm-hmm. true camaraderie of guys under these conditions. Know about mm-hmm. the detail and stuff that you wouldn't consider unless you were there versus someone like Spielberg who is making the best he can with the skills he has and, and entertainment that... Epic. Right. To get a semblance mm-hmm. of that, but it still doesn't have that true veracity of someone who was actually there mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. so to your point i totally agree with what you're saying there mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. um some rewriting done on some mm-hmm. of these movies you know to mm-hmm. match that jingoistic ideal if you will of america mm-hmm. might yeah mm-hmm. for sure I, and that's I, dangerous man go ahead adrian i i agree with you man uh as far as uh saving private ryan goes it's just for for me, for most of the time, when I see Tom Hanks, you know what you're gonna get. 
Mm-hmm. You just you kind of know what you're gonna get, and in and, and and yeah, definitely the sentimentality, and uh, just like no real fear. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like there's no real peril that I was aware of watching that movie. Like I said, mm-hmm. okay, I know mm-hmm. somebody's gonna die. Sure, but, it won't mm-hmm. be Tom Hanks, right? Well, no, it, <laughs> he, I, I figured, he, he I figured it would. Yeah, he did die, and it, I figured it would be him. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just yeah. saying, like, yeah, one person, maybe two people are gonna die, but it's not like mm-hmm. like it's not just like in other words, if there if this is a kamikaze mission for this group, you mm-hmm. get a, you get a sense of the foreboding long before it happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like kamikaze movies and and movies that aren't going to end well for anybody, you you kind of feel it from the beginning. You know, yeah. you, you, you felt it in like the big red one or you felt it in uh, uh, Rogue One, you know, uh, you felt it. There are other movies where it's like, OK, yeah, none of y'all are really going to make it to, to daylight. I, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but anyway, I'll, I'll let I'll give you the last word. Uh, we'll give you the last word, Adrian. Yeah, well, you know, I guess to sum everything up, you know, I just um, I would just say, like, you know, for, for most of my life, <laughs> as, as cheesy as that sounds, but it's the truth. You know, since I was a, a little <laughs> kid, you know, I've always mm-hmm. been enveloped by military history and is in particular American military history. And, you know, it's through like the um, evolution of these uh, movies, especially like, you know, uh, Vietnam War movies to where it spurred me to learn more about the history and the underbelly of it that really you know was kind of cast under the rug by just other things that you had seen in popular culture and once once i did more research and reading of my own you really find out how truly awful and truly terrible war is as if you had to be mm-hmm. told that but mm-hmm. reading that and getting a semblance of that in your mind really puts a different spin when you rewatch these movies. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I think going forward, that's how I view military history now. Now, unfortunately, or, you know, in some ways, there there's always going to be some type of vicarity, some type of vicariousness, you know, to mm-hmm. watching, you know, these harrowing, you know, feats of combat and so forth. But mm-hmm. I now have a better understanding as an adult of what these men and women in some cases, you know, really went through, you know, in these theaters of war, you know, and it makes me appreciative of, you know, the freedoms that we have as well. Definitely. Definitely. And, I, and I guess I'll take the last oh. word and say, go see yeah, Kong Skull Island. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, yeah. That's it right there. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> That concludes this episode of Sidebar Forever, hosted by Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson. You can find us online at sidebarforever.com. Any emails or questions can be directed to us at sidebarforever at gmail.com. And also, subscribe to us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram.